This is the Rocky Mountain Review Podcast. I am your co-host, Gabe Peterson. And I'm your other co-host, Julia Badalese. This is the Rocky Mountain Review, the live news show that airs 4 to 5, Tuesday and Thursday, on KCSU that has turned into a podcast. And this is what you missed this week. Five, four, three, I'm Julia Badalese. And I'm Gabe Peterson. And you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am one of two hosts here, uh, Gabe Peterson. I'm joined by my co-host, Julia Badalese. How are you doing? That is me. Hello. Hello. And we are joined in studio by Sierra Cole, director uh, coordinator for studying abroad. How are you, Sierra? Good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're joined in studio with our reporter, Raven Color. Hi. Yeah, very nice to have you here. Julia, why don't you uh, run over what we're going to cover today? All right. So we're going to start with our interview with uh, Sierra first about study abroad, studying abroad. And then we'll go into local news with a Fort Collins banker that's going to end up meeting with Trump, I believe. Then we have a story on the pharmaceutical company uh, lawsuits, as well as the State of the Union. Just a little wrap up about what that what happened, what are, people are saying about it. Um, and then we're going to go into the CSU basketball coach. Yeah. Yeah, Larry Eustacey, his investigation. It's Don't sound too excited. I am. Uh, <laughs> and then we will have sports following that. Then we're going to go on to a very quick break, and then we'll come back with national and global news with um, some news about Hawaii and uh, two people that are stepping down, as well as the emotional support peacock. If you haven't heard that story yet, then you are in for a treat. <laughs> um, then we also have a failed missile launch that happened, I believe it was a couple days ago, um, as well as some news about uh, Syrian refugees coming into the U.S. Then we'll be finishing up uh, national and global news and going into the science segment. Yes. Um, and then right after that, we will go into our roundtable discussion. If you did not see uh, Tony Frank's email this morning, we're going to be talking about that, um, as well as why am I blanking on the name of that group, um, the Traditionalist Worker Party. Yes. And then after that, we will go into the music segment with um, our video director, Sam Bulkley, as well as weather. And then we'll be signing off. Yes, we will. But um, we're going to go straight into the interview with Sierra. Um, I actually, just a really quick question. Have you ever studied abroad? Yes, I have. I am actually a CSU alum myself. Oh, really? And when I was here, I was a business marketing student. And while I was here, I studied abroad twice. I went on semester at sea when they used to do summer voyages. And I also spent a semester on one of our CSU exchange programs in Sydney, Australia at Macquarie University. Oh, wow. So uh, it's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you're you're a professional at it, you could say. <laughs> now, um, Sierra, hold on. I'm sorry, Julia. <laughs> no, go for um, it. So I'm assuming that working for the uh, study abroad, like being a uh, coordinator, not yes. director, I'm sorry, <laughs> coordinator. I, that, yes, okay, coordinator. Um, I'm sure you're in charge of like specific places around the world to go. Like, what are you in charge of? Yeah, great question. So I am an education abroad coordinator, and in our office, we divvy things up by region for the most part. Hmm. And I specifically advise students who are going to Asia, Oceania, which is New Zealand and Australia, as well as on semester at sea, which I think a lot of people have heard about considering CSU is the academic partner. So a really cool region. Awesome. Cool. Um, so I just wanted to know what your personal experience have been uh, with study abroad, um, or maybe what you've heard about from other people, um, especially at CSU, what they've been saying about study abroad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually recently did a study of education abroad alumni here at CSU, and 99% of them said it was an extremely rewarding experience, and it's something they would absolutely do again if they had the opportunity, or they would recommend other students do it. And I think that is pretty much generally what we hear from students, and that's also what 
I've experienced myself. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very rewarding um, thing that I've done. And it's obviously been very meaningful for me since now that's what I do for um, my, my career. And um, I just think it's a really uh, great opportunity for students to see the world and um, as well as get some academic and career benefits along with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I actually was reading the Collegian earlier this week, um, and I just wanted to, ma wanted to get some fact checking. Is it actually true that it's cheaper to study abroad than to go to CSU? For so it really depends on the program. So mm. that's something to consider. We have over 1,000 programs available to students here at CSU that are interested in education abroad. And with that comes a pretty big range. So there are definitely programs out there that are going to be more expensive than a regular in-state semester here at CSU. But there are a lot of programs that are going to be less expensive than to be on campus for a semester, which, again, I think there's a pretty big misconception that everything is more expensive. <laughs> and that's absolutely not the case. Um, we have a really good um, slate of programs out there where students can uh, pay less than a semester here. Do you still think it's beneficial for students to go like for two weeks on winter break and two weeks during the summer as opposed to a full semester of studying abroad? I do, absolutely. I think getting any of those international experiences is really important. And quite honestly, a full semester, a full year might not necessarily be the right fit for any given student. Um, we think that being able to make this a part of their time at CSU is important regardless of the time frame. And a lot of those skills and experiences that you have, um, even if you're not going to be there for five months, being there for two weeks um, can also be just as meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to know, um, like, how do scholarships and grants play into this? Yes, great question. <laughs> so this is probably one of our biggest questions um, we get. Uh, one great thing to note is that 99% of all financial aid and scholarships can go abroad with a student. Hmm. Uh, we are very lucky here at CSU that we have a dedicated financial aid coordinator for education abroad who can help walk students through the financial aid aspect of an education abroad program. Um, in fact, about 64% of CSU students use aid to go abroad, so we want students to know that that is available for them. Additionally, we have a lot of scholarships through our office, and there are scholarships available at the nationally competitive level and and that we want the students to get those dollars. So we want to help with that. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Um, um, just for anybody interested in studying abroad, can you tell the audience where to find you or where to find you guys online? Yes, absolutely. I would say the first step to kind of getting started with learning more about education abroad is to actually visit our office. We are located in room eight in Laurel Hall, which is on the northeast corner of the Oval. And students should stop by during our office hours, which is from 9 a.m. until noon, and again from 1 until 4, Monday through Friday. And here students will have the opportunity to meet with a peer advisor and kind of get started with um, thinking about the different priorities and things that go into an education abroad. After a student has met with a peer advisor, they can then schedule an appointment with a coordinator like myself to dig a little bit deeper into a specific region. Mm -hmm. um, also, students can stop by our walk-in advising hours um, in the LSC. We actually have financial aid walk-in advising on Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 1 to 4 in LSC room 338. And that's where the students can meet with the financial aid coordinator and learn about the specific finances. So we're very available. And um, first and foremost, the students should just stop on by. Awesome. Yeah, Sierra, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you so much. Yeah, um, anyway, we are going to go on a really quick break, but we'll be coming back with local news as well as sports, so stay tuned. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Gabe Peterson, one of two hosts here. I am joined in studio with Julia Badalise, my co 
host, I almost said director, but yeah, Julia, how you doing? <laughs> You're having trouble with the word director today. I know, huh? it's always director, host, coordinator. <laughs> I couldn't get the coordinator right. Anyways, um, uh, JD Layton is now in studio with us. How you doing, JD? I'm never far from the mic. No, you are not. And Raven Color, how you doing? I'm great. <laughs> awesome. Very nice. Well, we are going to kick off our local uh, news segment. Uh, JD, why don't you take it away? Right. President Donald Trump hosted several small businesses in the White House, including a local Fort Collins banker. The meeting was meant to showcase the wide range of businesses that had been boosted by the business tax cut and featured a small farm store from Iowa, several banks in Colorado, a machining producer in Ohio, and a credit card processing company from Georgia. One of the bankers from Colorado, Patrick Sobers, in response to the meeting and tax cut, said that his company had given out $1,000 bonuses to his employees and that... This is having an impact not only on our associates, but also on our business clients. Reports VOA News, Senator Jack Reed has been vocal of his critique of the tax cut and that it does more to aid businesses rather than the average American. And uh, Yeah, thank you, J.D. <laughs> yeah. You're like, a, where do I go from here? <laughs> it's a short story. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> all right, moving on to a pharmaceutical lawsuit in Colorado. Hair font. Huerfano, or Herfano, I can't pronounce it. You're Anyways. killing it. Herfano County in <laughs> southern Colorado is suing a long list of the nation's top pharmaceutical companies. The suit was filed through the U.S. District Court in Denver on January 28th by lawyers from Colorado and California. The lawsuit claims residents of the county were led to believe opioids like oxycodone and Percocet were safe. Instead, the drugs are highly addictive and can lead to overdoses and deaths. According to KUNC... John Galusha, an administrator for the Herfano County, said the reason for the lawsuit is because the county has a past history with opioids. Around 1 in 10 people living in the county have been affected by opioids in some way. That evens out to about 6,700 people. Galusha said that Colorado Springs-based attorney Stephen Ox approached the county commissioners a month ago to gauge their interest in pursuing legal action. Herfano County is the first county with Colorado to take legal action against pharmaceutical companies. The businesses that are being sued are Purdue Pharma, the manufacturer of OxyContin, as well as Johnson & Johnson and Teva Pharmaceuticals USA. Herfano County is seeking at least $750,000 in economic damages and $1.5 million for future damages. This county has become part of a legal movement that is picking up steam across the United States. Philadelphia and Delaware filed lawsuits this month as well. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced on Tuesday that New York City is suing drug companies to hold them responsible for the deadly opioid epidemic. And more than a dozen counties in New York filed similar lawsuits last year. Another case filed by the city of Chicago in 2014 still remains active. And I will send it over to Julia. Yeah, we got the State of the Union, but we also have a little bit of a Colorado perspective on it. Um, President Trump delivered his State of the Union on Tuesday. The president primarily went over his accomplishments from the first year and also offered some proposals that he'd like to see. The first hour of the speech consisted of topics such as tax cuts, the economy, and trade. Trump made considerable efforts for the different uh, political parties to come together for the common good of the country, reports Chris Siliza from CNN. Earlier on in the speech, he said that he wanted to set aside the party's differences and to, quote, summon the unity we need to deliver for the party we were elected to serve. Colorado Senator Cory Gardner expressed that he liked what the president had to say about unity, reports the Denver Post. Gardner added that um, that he wants, quote, to work together on issues to achieve a compromise for dreamers and make needed investments to our nation's crumbling infrastructure. 
CBS News also reports that Trump outlined an immigration plan for the coming year. He emphasized moral character as well as educa- moral character as well as education and work requirements to be a, um, to be a full citizen. Denver's Mayor Michael Hancock, however, was not impressed by Trump's immigration plan, saying that the reform was, quote, based on fear and that it, quote, does nothing to address the mess he created for our dreamers. Dana Milbank of The Washington Post made a point of emphasizing the Democrats' reactions through the speech. It was reported that dozens of Democrats refused to stand when the president entered the House chamber. Representative Benny Thompson of Democrat of Mississippi turned his back on the president when he walked by. Saliza also reports that Trump made it clear he still believes in America, saying, quote, if you work hard, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in America, then you can dream anything, you can be anything, and together we can achieve anything. And to finish up local news, I'm going to throw it back over to JD. Right back at me. It's not usually my forte, but here I am. Okay. Larry Eustachie and CSU men's basketball are now under a climate assessment after the release of a report from former Rocky Mountain Collegian sports editor Justin Michael. Michael stated that Joe Parker, the Colorado State Athletic Director, has begun interviewing players over Eustachie's conduct, reports the Coloradan. Parker stated in a release from the athletics department, We have started a climate assessment which involves conversations with the students and staff members associated with the men's basketball program. As always, we will not make any public comments until our process is complete and have no additional information to share at this time. Eustachie was given a zero-tolerance policy following his first investigation rather than be fired and had to say this about the release from Michael. Deeply, I am deeply disappointed on a very personal level that someone chose to publicize confidential information from my personal file. That said, I fully recognize that I'm not perfect. I have my faults and strive every day to be better than I was yesterday. Thank you, JD. It's about time. Where are you, Stacey? It's about time. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a strange character. Goodbye. Anyways, uh, speaking of Larry you, Stacey, I am going to send it over to Bjorn Larson, our sports reporter. Take it away, Bjorn. Yeah, I'll start with the uh, tennis team. The Colorado State's women's tennis squad will travel to Lincoln, Nebraska this weekend to take on University of Nebraska on Friday and Eastern Michigan on Saturday. Head coach Jared Camrata feels these early season matches have been beneficial for his young squad. The freshmen have now had three opportunities to see what college tennis looks like, and that should help us in a variety of situations, Camerata said. I expect us to compete well this weekend. Neither match will be easy, but if we play well and smart, then we can have a positive result. The team has been led by Alyssa Gravala, who has been standout in the singles this year, boasting a 3-0 mark. The CSU men's basketball team lost last night in a double overtime uh, game against Wyoming. The Rams held a double-point lead for most of the game until they saw it slip away late and ended up losing 91-86. to The narrative has become all too familiar for the Rams in the last two weeks, which is mount an early lead and lose it. It's been a tough couple of losses, especially at home with the ones we are up all the time and then they come back, said forward Deion James. Quote, at the end of the day, with any bad experience, you just got to learn from it. That's what we're going to do, end quote. The Rams are back in action Saturday against the league-leading Nevada Wolfpack. CSU hosts Nevada at 6 p.m. in Moby Arena. Continuing with basketball news, the CSU women's basketball team also took on Wyoming, but this time was played in Laramie and had a better outcome. The Rams won 64-53 over the Cowgirls. CSU hung up 28 points on the Cowgirls in the first half, a vast improvement from their first game against Wyoming. The Rams return to play this Saturday afternoon at home against the Nevada Wolfpack. The ladies continue the climb to the top of the Mountain West with this win over Wyoming after a slow start to their conference season. 
And that wraps up your sports for today. Awesome. Thank you, Bjorn. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Well, we're going to take a quick break here at the Rocky Mountain Review. But when we come back, we are going to jump into national and global news. As well as science. As well as science. Yes, our School of Global Environmental Sustainability weekly podcast will be played. Everybody, uh, stick with us and we'll see yeah. you in a few minutes. Moxie Yoga Works is a proud underwriting sponsor of KCSU Fort Collins. Specializing in Bikram Method Hot Yoga, Moxie Yoga Works is located at 5112 South College Avenue, Suite C. The goal of Moxie Yoga Works is to communicate the technique and the benefits of doing yoga. For more information, feel free to email info at moxieyogaworks.com or call 970-232-9896. KCSU thanks Moxie Yoga Works for their underwriting support. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am Gabe Peterson, one of two hosts here. Uh, I'm joined in studio with Julie Badalise, my co-host. How you doing? Yep. How's it going? We are joined by J.D. Layton, our national news correspondent. I am here. And Raven Color, who has yet to have a title, but she's very important. So, Raven Color, title TBD. TBD, exactly. Mm, TBD reporter. Yeah. So we are jumping right back into <laughs> national and global news. I am going to send it over to Raven for the first story. All right. Officials in Hawaii have said the al false alarm of a nuclear attack on January 13th was caused by an employee who did not know a drill was taking place. The Washington Post's Mark Berman and Brian Fung report that a federal investigation revealed that an active emergency response exercise caused the employee to, uh, to believe that the uh, false alarm was a real emergency, not a drill. This statement countered Hawaiian officials' previous statement that the alarm was accidentally set off by an employee during a shift change. That employee was fired, and the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency's top official, Advisor Vern T. Miyagi, has stepped down. The employee's name is set to be released after disciplinary appeals are completed. A state investigation revealed that this particular employee had mistaken a drill for a legitimate emergency twice in the decade leading up to this incident. He was counseled after previous incidents, but not removed from his position. The FCC reported that the morning shift manager knew there was going to be a drill that day, uh, but did not believe it would be during his shift and was not prepared to supervise the test. While the term exercise was used multiple times during the drill, the fra phase phrase, uh, not a drill, was also used. The state report said that while other employees frantically attempted to shut down the alarm, the employee who set it off remained, quote, sitting and seemed confused. Uh, the employee declined to be interviewed in the investigation, but did submit a handwritten statement to the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency, which was given to the lead investigator, retired Brigadier General Bruce Oliveira. The emergency, remain, er, emergency alarm remained activated for 38 minutes, reportedly causing mass hysteria. Oliviara blamed, quote, insufficient management control, poor computer software design, and human factors for both the false, false alarm and the poor response time. Hawaii Governor David Igg uh, said that the untimeliness of his response was caused by his inability to log into Twitter because he forgot his password. Ig also stated that an incident like this would, quote, never, ever be repeated. 
Both the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency and the FCC are working on revisions to policy to prevent or hinder a similar situation in the future. So that is the craziest story I think I've ever heard. Yeah, a lot of oversight there. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's so bad that it's a little bit funny. It's kind of like a, like a really bad movie that SNL would try to make mm, or something. I don't yeah. know. It's cra- that is just It's like how do how do you yeah. how do he's you had mess up that in the bad. past, but he's never been fired. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like okay. Yeah, I can totally and see that. And he just sat there standing still. That is uh that's funny to me. Yes. Anyways, moving on to funny. <laughs> We have a Peacock story about mm. uh, United Airlines. You know, for once, we actually have fairly lighthearted stories. Yeah, that's what I I couldn't like. help it. I saw the ESA, uh, sto- the, the emotional support Peacock story, and I just, I could not, like, stop myself from putting it into the newscast. We so have to do it. We have to do it. You're welcome, Fort Collins and Northern Colorado. <laughs> Peacocks can't fly, and neither did a United <laughs> Airlines flight when a woman tried to board with her emotional support Peacock in Newark, New Jersey. The woman, who was barred from the flight, even offered to buy the bird its own ticket, reports BBC. The airlines explained to the woman that the bird could not board because of the weight and size limitations. After spending six hours in the airport, the woman and her avian companion decided to hit the road and drive across the United States. The peacock, reportedly called Dexter, belongs to the Brooklyn-based Ventrinko, who documents its life on social media. Ventrinko, whose real name is not known, told Bedford and Bowery that the bird, quote, really changed my life in a positive way. She originally bought the bird for an art installation. Some airlines allow therapy animals onto flights, and the amount of animals have been increasing. In 2014, someone brought an emotional support pig named Hobby on U.S. Airways flight. The pig squealed and defecated before the plane took off. (laughs) That is, uh... That's a good story. I like that. That's funny. I like the dedication. Six hours to board the flight and then drove across the United States because oh it couldn't get on. I she really that. needed to get somewhere. Yeah, that's emotional part. support. I, Peacocks can't fly. I, that was good. I that's know the funny. beginning. That story was written by our own Seth Bodine. I know he did. Co- he did a he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That was a good. That was a good lead. I got. Yeah, that was really we good. Gotta, uh, a little clap. <laughs> um, we're going to send it right over to Raven for um, a missile failure from Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, as worries over defense against North Korea continue to rise in America, news of a American missile interceptor launch test failure couldn't come at a worse time. Launching from a test site in Hawaii, it was said to have missed the dummy missile uh, through most uh, through most Department of Defense officials have not been saying much about the launch reports Helen Cooper and Eric Schmidt of the New York Times. This isn't a surprise because around half of the launches in the last 13 years were considered fully or partially successful. The multi-billion dollar effort, uh, efforts have gained mixed reactions from Washington. A Pentagon report showed that our missiles, quote, demonstrate a limited capability to defend the U.S. homeland from missiles coming from places like Iran or North Korea. Thank you, Raven. Uh, now over to Julia. Yep, we're going to finish off national and global news with uh, the Trump administration that has moved to extend temporary protection to almost 7,000 Syrians living in the U.S. after the president canceled the programs protecting them. Chantel da, da Silva of Newsweek reported the 6,900 uh, Syrians covered is only a silver, a sliver of the, not a silver, a sliver of the 90,000 Syrians living in the U.S., according to Vivian Yee of the New York Times. 
Syrians have been previously shielded from deportation under the Temporary Protected Status Program, which ensures people from countries affected by war, natural disasters, and other crises uh, will be protected from deportation. The program is set to expire on March 31st, forcing the president to make a decision on whether to extend it. But now those who have been living in the U.S. since August 2016 will have their TPS rights protected. Homeland Security Secretary Christine uh, Nielsen said, quote, after carefully considering conditions on the ground, I have determined that it is necessary to extend. Nielsen said, while those who entered after August 2016 will not be eligible for extension, uh, but, quote, might, uh, may be eligible to seek other forms of relief. The Syrian civil war has been raging for more than six years with no resolution in the near future. Thank you, Julia. Yeah, no problem. Um, Anyway, that is going to wrap it up for National and Global News today. We are going to go into our science segment. Yes, we are. Um, if you want to take that one away. Um, yeah. Get ready for some very relaxing brain forest sounds. <laughs> yes, enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Sustainable Digest, a short weekly news segment where we cover local sustainable news and events, as well as current conservation and sustainability issues from around the globe. Brought to you by the School of Global Environmental Sustainability and 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This week on the Sustainable Digest, why women are crucial for global water conservation as scientists and as community leaders. Have you ever thought that although our planet is called Earth, about 71% of the planet's surface is covered with water? It is no secret that life is not possible at all without water. The human body alone is comprised of about 65% of water, and it is estimated that you can go 100 hours maximum without drinking water and at average outdoor temperature. It is no wonder then that access to clean water is an absolute need for every living organism. But although water is everywhere on our planet, most of it is stored as salt water in the oceans, and only around 1% of total water in our planet is readily consumable in rivers, streams, and lakes. These ecosystems not only represent sources of hydration for human consumption, they also play a key role in economic and sustainable activities for communities and house thousands of species of insects, plants, fishes, and other invertebrates that absolutely depend on permanent water. The scrumptious trout or salmon that you had for lunch yesterday, you know the one that you fished over the weekend at the mountain stream that you love so much, they cannot survive without healthy rivers and the available food source in the rivers. It would be logical and intuitive then to do everything in our power to sustain and keep rivers and streams healthy, not only because of human needs, but also because they are brimming with life in and around themselves. Freshwater ecosystems, however, are under heavy human pressure by pollution, regulation, usage of water for agricultural purposes, and changes to water flow through dam constructions. As Colorado State University's Dr. Leroy Poff and Dr. Julie Olden asserted in a recent paper in Science, as conflict over water resources increases under growing population demands and accelerating climate change, designing flows in dam-regulated rivers to meet both human consumption needs and valid ecosystem functions will become more pressing. 
Known as the world water crisis, the lack of available fresh water disproportionately affects women and children in developing countries, where access is the most limited and where governments are increasing dam constructions in efforts to improve their economy. Women and children in remote rural areas are most often responsible for collecting the water, taking time away from school, from work, and from caring for family. Reducing the time spent in collecting water helps children have access to better education and playtime, giving them opportunities for a brighter future. The lack of access to clean water also has a stronger effect on reproductive health for women, since childbearing and rearing depends upon appropriate hydration and sanitation. So the issue of water scarcity is not only a general world issue, but more specifically a gender issue, and in recognizing it, the United Nations recently developed a policy in 2006 which suggests women need to be involved in water conservation and stresses the fact that sustainable management of water resources needs more involvement of female scientists to increase chances of conservation management successes. Unfortunately, women are highly underrepresented in water management careers and training. But what this means for young girls and women interested in pursuing science careers especially in developing countries, is that there is a great need for them in our society and that the countries that are most affected by water issues will most benefit from a conscious and gender-inclusive scientific approach to sustainably conserving our water resources for ourselves and for all the other living organisms that depend on this access to clean water. And it also means that the impact of scientists in water conservation resonates not only in gender equality issues and better quality of life, but it also translates into having a more sustainable life on our planet. Thank you for listening to this week's Sustainable Digest. Join us weekly during the Thursday and Friday KCSU newscasts or find us at kcsufm.com to find our online podcasts. Brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Student Media and the School of Global Environmental Sustainability at Colorado State University in Fort Collins. And welcome back. I was so entranced by that little... Uh Outro. outro that i was, was i couldn't surreal. i couldn't let go that was awesome that was a great job well done school of global environmental sustainability again uh we are going to take a quick break here but when we come back we're going to get into our roundtable segment about uh tony frank's email to us today regarding the traditionalist working party um kind of getting into charlie kirk's smashing socialism speech that's happening tomorrow kind of why this is all happening and maybe even touch on some past incidents that have happened around campus yeah. just kind of saying what's going on with csu so stay tuned yeah, stay tuned. We will be coming right back. Um, if you want to call or text in at all, give us your thoughts on the matter, um, maybe about Charlie Kirk coming tomorrow, feel free. That number is going to be 970-491-5278. Um, we also are getting a, uh, we also have a phone currently. If you feel like leaving us a voicemail, and we can look at that later today and talk about it next week. That number, that number is 970-491-2388. Um, yeah, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.
Yeah, right. Like this is masculinity 101 stuff right here. Like if people ask what is masculinity, I really hope that they can turn to this and be like, oh, okay. There's a lot of fear when it comes to race with white folks, especially my experience that race has been a harder conversation than gender. Is it easier for white men to engage in gender work opposed to racial work? That's what this concept of the man box is, right? Like, it's things that men are expected and supposed to be. So it's strong, tough, like sports, cars, guns. Bacon, uh, beer, <laughs> video game. Uh, athletic. Athletic. Leader. Leader. Funny. Funny. You're just going to repeat me? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> intelligent. What's up, y'all? I'm Jake. And my name is Carl. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift, Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. This is a new podcast from 90.5 KCSU. Check us out on iTunes and kcsufm.com on February 1st. Peace. Deuces. Colorado State University has seen its fair share of controversies over the course of the school year. Multiple vandalisms and acts of hate speech have occurred since the start of the 2017 to 2018 academic calendar. Some students, faculty, and community members might not even be aware of all the incidents that have occurred over the last six months. CSU has a strong, tight-knit community that supports one another. This is proven as students and staff at the university universally agree that certain acts of hatred displaced across campus in the fall were unacceptable. Tony Frank sent emails out denouncing anti-Semitism as some students were harassed for their religion with derogatory comments written on their dorm room whiteboards. Frank responded and denounced individuals who placed a noose near the door of an African-American student's dorm room. In recent days, we have seen yet another instance of ideological hate speech here on campus. Charlie Kirk, founder of Turning Point USA, a nonprofit right-wing organization, has been invited to speak at CSU Friday night beginning at 5.30 p.m. in the Lori Student Center. The conservative speaker will be giving a speech called, quote, Smashing Socialism and will be teaching attendees true free market values. The same day, there are plans for protests from students and members of the community. There will also be one group in particular in attendance. The Traditional Workers' Party, a neo-Nazi white supremacist organization, is using the event to spread their platform of hatred and ignorance. The TWP posted flyers across campus the last few days with the message, quote, No means no, hashtag my borders, my choice, and has since caused another conversation of race relations here on campus. The flyers have upset so many people that CSU President Tony Frank sent out an email to all students denouncing the organization and their ideologies. In regards to the TWP, Tony Frank said in the email, quote, And even we honor the sacrifice of those who fought to assure we all have a voice by allowing even this voice of evil to be expressed. We stand together so that no member of our community hears this voice alone and fears that we need face it alone. So I think that's a great segue into our discussion regarding what's kind of going on here around campus. We've seen a lot of uh, things going wrong. Um, and just, you know, getting that email today, you're just reading another story of somebody just kind of spreading hate and just saying things that don't need to be said. And it's mm. kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of sick of getting these emails all the time, aren't <laughs> you? It's it's to the point I of where I, I don't know, let's talk about it. What yeah. do you think, Julia? Um, well, I checked out their website today, uh, the tra Traditionalist Worker Party. Um, they said their three main focuses are faith, family, and folk, I believe. Um, and it said that's what this country needs to focus on. Um, they had 25 points on their website that talked about things that um, I guess they value. 
Um, one of the quotes that I pulled from that website was, this nation will be a homeland for whites governed and built by and for our people, which was by far the weirdest thing that I've ever read. Um, and uh, I mean, Tony Frank's email, I think, was like a lot better timed than some of the last few things. I agree. Some of his last responses. I definitely agree. I feel like he's gotten some flack in the past, um, at least last semester, with his response time on certain things. And, I mean, he has addressed that before, saying that it wasn't, you know, pr- I guess professional of him uh, to, you know, wait as long as he has. Um but I think he definitely, um, a lot of people, at least around the office today, seem to be talking a lot about um, his line that was, uh, the, the TWP goes by various names online, but let me keep this simple. A Nazi is a Nazi is a Nazi. And I felt like that was definitely, um, I don't know. It was interesting to hear that, just people talking about that around the office today, because everyone was like, wow, yeah, he said it. You Absolutely. Know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's sad that, the, that these people are even going to, attend this speech and i would just like to say you know isabel brown the um uh what is she she's a senator for acsu she sent a letter to the editor at the collegian just pretty much saying that turning point usa which charlie kirk founded is in no way affiliated with the uh, the worker party uh traditionalist work work party god i'm stuttering (laughs) today i don't understand it's okay um i think you know it's good to have different different people with different views come to campus and speak and have an open conversation but when you have people like the TWP coming, it kind of ruins that possibility. Yeah. I mean, well, they're not coming, but um, <laughs> at least that's but, what it sounded yeah. like. But, but when they post things around campus and try to make their, their club known and their their ideas known and all that, mm-hmm. it gets to the point where you can't, it's, I don't know, you got to shut, you got to shut certain things down. For sure. Especially when it's that, like, um, you know, it, it's something that we, you know, like we shouldn't be dealing with Nazis no. right now, you know, no, not in 2018. Ridiculous. JD, um, what are you thinking over there? I, for me, I just think it's it's ridiculous. The TWP is like pretty counter to like some of the core tenets to C- CSU. It's like we try to be a very inclusive university. We tried to uh, make a place for everybody. And the fact that like uh, people like that would spread. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not as hateful as it could be, but it's still. Like, as Tony Frank said, a Nazi is a Nazi is a Nazi. And that's not something that should really be welcomed on an environment like this. Like, they have the right to say that. Not that I agree with it. Um, and I don't really feel like the space to say that is CSU either. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I mean, well, we had Tom Milligan on the other day, and he was kind of saying, you know, as a university, it's not really like, our decision to t- tell people what they can and can't do. But when it comes to the point of where it gets starts to get to hate speech and where it starts to spread these ideologies, where obviously historically and just like right now in our political climate, like it's going to be bad for the university. So I, they, I applaud Tony Frank for emailing everybody and yeah. kind of shutting this down before, you know, somebody had to see that poster and had no idea what was going on. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, what's I mean, is CSU promoting this? I mean, what's what's going on with this? Raven, what do you think? I think it's so strange that, you know, a good 70, 80 years ago, we had Americans, you know, fighting and dying to to stop Nazism, and now we're seeing it right here on our own streets. But I think it's a shame for people like um, our speaker on Friday who have something legitimate to say, and that's kind of being overshadowed by something else. Um, you know, I read a quote by Isabel Brown, who's the chairperson for Turning Point USA here at CSU, um, she said she just wanted, um, you know, right-wing students to get together and have a community, and she wanted left-wing students to be able to start a dialogue um, so that both of them could really understand what was being said and 
have a conversation. I think now that Nazis are involved, like it really shuts that dialogue down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, sure. I couldn't agree more. It's, I couldn't agree more. I think it's like definitely escalated the situation because I feel like the the speech is probably has nothing to do with race. There, it won't probably be a talking point at all. It's about free markets, and now you have the attachment to this. Uh, group that views, as Tony Frank said, it genocide is a viable political option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, totally, it it like tarnishes the the capacity for like constructive dialogue to be um, to be put forth together. I mean, there's yeah. a, a protest going along with it, and now the it's probably got a lot more fuel against it. So there could there's there's a little extra spice going along with it that definitely didn't need to go into this uh, this whole environment. Well, I would just say, like, Charlie Kirk, he founded, you know, his own uh, corporation, his own organization, Turning Point USA. He's obviously an educated person. If you don't agree with, like, some of the things he says, that's okay. He's educated, and he's just trying to create a conversation. The, the, the TWP, these people who are going around, no education whatsoever. They are probably highly uneducated, and it's it's frustrating because that's when you get to the point of when you have those certain beliefs and uh, – <laughs> If you're uneducated, you make educated people look bad, especially with like certain beliefs that they have, because the TWP is supporting Charlie Kirk because Charlie Kirk says that there's really no misogyny in the world and there's no rape culture going around on college campuses. And they agree with that. So they kind of have like this one similarity and then it kind of just makes every everything that Charlie Kirk says bad. And I don't think that that's the case. And I think um, Tony Frank said the the main reasoning for keeping Charlie Kirk's event um on Friday is because he said that the speaker has, quote, no track record of causing disturbances on college campuses. And I think that is really what he's trying to get at, is that even if you disagree with Charlie Kirk, it's um, it's more about not causing another, like issues or like a, a, a place on campus that people don't feel safe. And that's why I think, you know, having protests, um, like peaceful protests on campus are very important in this situation so that every side feels represented and, um, you know, cared about. Yeah. And I have a positive uh, outlook for tomorrow. I don't think there's going to be any disruptful protests. I think Fort Collins and being a CSU, being a Ram, I think I think this is a great place to be. And I think that you have every right to protest, but I don't think that it's going to get nasty like it like it did at UC Berkeley or just places like that. I think we're going to really come together and show, you know, you can have different opinions and whatnot, but you can also, you know, protest peacefully. And I think that's my hope for tomorrow, at least. For sure. Yeah, we're all Rams here. We came from the same Rams. institution. Absolutely. We want to we want to make it a better place together together (laughs) um final statements you know i just hope that having such a toxic group doesn't shut down the ability for students to have a dialogue about this and even if you don't agree with what charlie kirk has to say i really think that like i encourage you to go and see what he has to say and not let um kind of the drama around the speech stop you from learning and understanding what he's trying to say yep jd no, I think that's a, a a good point. It's it's good to go and and view whether you agree or not. It's a good way to formulate better and more educated opinions. So, cool. by like not having it shut down is is good. I'm glad that hasn't happened. Um, I wanted to quote Tony Frank, but I didn't get to it quick enough, and now I can't pick a good one. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would have to say the same. I mean, I'm gonna just go with everyone else. <laughs> I hope that I hope that tomorrow's good, and um, I. I I think that as a university, you know, I think I think we'll be we'll be good yeah. about it. That was not very well articulated, but <laughs> no, that's okay. I think we understand what you're trying to what you're trying to say. Yeah. Cool. Well, that I think that's going to end roundtable. Um, 
Thank you, Raven. Thank you, JD. Thank yeah. you, Julia. Once again, if um, you want to give your opinion about uh, today's roundtable, you want to talk about the traditionalist worker party, um, Charlie Kirk, any of the peaceful protests going on tomorrow, um, make sure you can call and leave us a voicemail and we can talk about it next Tuesday. Um, that number is going to be 970-491-2388. Um, we got all those voicemails sent to our email, so we will listen to all of them. Um, anyway, we are going to go on a very quick break. We'll be returning here with music and, of course, weather. Then we'll be Ooh. signing off. So, um, yeah, make sure to stay tuned. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am your co-host, Gabe Peterson, joined by my co-host, Julie Badalise. That must be me. Mm -hmm. That would be you, and that would make you J.D. Layton. Yeah. <laughs> I was not sure where you were going with that because you weren't even looking at me. I know. And then I you like swerved, switched your eyes and then the hands came out and I was like, ah. All right, JD. I'm here. Right. That's enough. Raven Color is still with us. How are you doing, Raven? I'm same as last time. Awesome. Cool. Good. <laughs> nice. Um, we are going to jump in our music segment with our video production video, video director. Video, video director. director. Sam Bulkley and his uh, music segment. So enjoy. I'm Sam Bulkley, and you are now listening to the Rocky Mountain Review's Music Update. The City of Fort Collins Art in Public Places program, in cooperation with community partners Bohemian Foundation and Downtown Development Authority, are seeking local artists or teams to paint murals or otherwise artistically decorate working pianos as part of pianos around town. For more information and to download an RFP, visit fcgov.com artspublic. Deadline for submissions is February 12th. Washington's, formerly Washington's Bar and Grill, has been transformed into a 900-capacity general admission music venue. It features state-of-the-art sound and lighting systems, a tiered balcony level, and two full-service bars. Washington's is set to open this Saturday with Louisiana act Trombone Shorty and Orleans Avenue playing for the opening ceremony. After Scene Magazine's previous owner, Michael Mockler, underwent heavy criticism late last year, the magazine was bought out by North 40 News. Criticism of Mockler was brought on by a Facebook post of a local comedian accusing him of sexual harassment where dozens of other men and women commented their own experiences with the former owner. Mockler denied all allegations in an exclusive interview with the Coloradoan in December. Following the allegations, he ceased print operations of the magazine while keeping its website. North 40 News has rebranded Scene Magazine as the new Scene Magazine and will release its first issue on February 1st. This has been your Fort Collins Music News Updates. I'm Sam Bulkley with the Rocky Mountain Review. Thank you, Sam. 
Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. We um, are back. We are back. Yes. From, from I don't outer know, space. I don't know where we're... Just let's go into everyone's favorite segment. Weather. The weather. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it snowed last night, and a lot of classes got canceled. Shout out to Sarah Polar. Anyways. <laughs> um, today, yeah, 31 degrees. It's going to be pretty cold tonight. It's going to be like low 20s, low 21. Uh, tomorrow it's going to be kind of, I, I don't know, good weather, I guess. 48 <laughs> degrees, partly cloudy. I guess it's going to be, says it's supposed to be sunny around 2 p.m., 3 p.m. So you're going to leave the house all warm and come, or all cold and come back all warm. So, <laughs> And Saturday is going to be, you know, high 52, low 26. So it's good looking weekend until Super Bowl Sunday where it is predicted to snow. So of course it is. Just, go inside, <laughs> uh, beverage of choice, watch the game. Probably mm. see Tom Brady win another Super Bowl, unfortunately. But he is the GOAT, so it's mm. not, I'm not too mad about it. I know you're rooting for the Eagles. but um, If I don't, then my brother might hate me. What? Why wouldn't <laughs> so, you want to root for the Pats? Um, because my brother might hate me. I don't know where you, you were during that you time. You don't need family. <laughs> I, I, Only Tom Brady. Yeah, or KCSU Studios. Yeah, that's us. Anyways, we're getting off track here. Thank you so much for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Yep. We are taking a five-day break. We'll be back on Tuesday. And we hope to have you back all listening. <laughs> that was a terrible <laughs> sentence. But, uh, all right. Yeah. Well, thank you to our reporters. Um, we had, let's see, who contributed? Bjorn Larson, uh, Seth Bodine. Um, we also had Raven Color. Thank you so much for coming on today. We will get you a real title. Perfect. One of these days. You want you want national news correspondent? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my title. Uh, we have uh, JD Layton crying in the corner. Uh, our national news correspondent who we might be changing JD. titles. My uh, eyes are only watering. <laughs> okay. Okay. He's off. Uh, <laughs> and um, thanks, Gabe Peterson, my uh, co-news director, as Thank well you. as myself. Um, you will see us back here on Tuesday, every Tuesday, Thursday, from four to five. Just turn me off. Oh, I thought it was me. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I was like, what's going Start the on? sentence over. You can catch us back here every Tuesday, Thursday, 4 to 5 p.m. Um, uh, talking about news, talking about music, talking about weather, um, <laughs> and sometimes science and weed. And weed, yes. Uh, yes. Speaking of weed, have a great weekend. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next Thursday. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins.